Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Going to law school suddenly gives you all sorts of ways to make money. All the characteristics that are brainwashed with as an associate become even more pronounced many times when you become a partner. They like it when they see you prioritize the work. Here's another thing. It's just if you're working very hard, many times you believe that others should too. So people are social animals. And so in large law firms, if you're not working hard, other people do, then then you're considered odd and then you're not uh, out of it. The first firm I worked at, the entire firm was almost always there on Sundays. The One of the founders of the firm would always walk around on the different floors and pop in and see who was there. And they knew he would be walking around at some point. So obviously people would be in the office or others working. There's a lot of peer pressure in many firms to show that they're all working as well. Again, this is a review. I talked about that previously. And then I see here the reviews. And then you'll, again, you'll, this is another threat. You'll lose your current lifestyle if you do not put yourself to work. What does happen, and this is something that I would caution you against, is a lot of times after they've been working for a year or two, uh, suddenly you can afford houses and all these sorts of things. And so people will often go buy these things, they'll buy houses, they'll get married, and they'll start accumulating all sorts of expenses. Maybe their significant other will decide to stay at home. Who knows? And, and so you suddenly will, all these things will start happening where you'll lose your freedom. And, and then when you lose your freedom, they, you will be more dependent on the law firm. It was very funny. I remember I had a good friend who was who's came from a professional family of other attorneys and they were like you never tell the firm anything about buying a house never tell them anything about because once you do that the firm will believe they have power over you and that's not what you want them to and i thought that was very funny but it is true that can happen to people and once you have enough expenses and you build up a lot of expenses it's very difficult to leave your position and then you become dependent on the firm and you have to stay and this is where people get into a lot of trouble. And so I want to caution you, especially if you're trying to watch that, you're better off having a nest egg. It's not something you want to do uh, in the long run. Another thing I don't like is a lot of times attorneys do not have other skills other than being an attorney. They do feel very, you can go to law school with the, as a liberal arts major, whereas you might make one third or fifth or sixth or seventh of what you would as an attorney coming out in those disciplines. Going to law school suddenly gives you all sorts of ways to make money. And, and then you realize that there's not much you can do other than working in a large law firm. And so with no other skills, you may have no choice but to throw yourself into a firm. Other attorneys become firm snobs. This is very common among people from large firms. And so they believe that they need to stay in these large law firms for their self-esteem. I'm sure people like that, the way they talk about firms. And that's another way that you kind of become a slave to the billable hour, your professional identity, and many cases your self-worth may become tied with working for a law firm uh, that gives you the most social professional standing in the legal community. People carry this with them their entire careers. I watch it to this day among senior attorneys. I find it amusing, but again, it's a way that uh, you have to watch out for that. And then this is just, I'm almost done with this webinar, but the, there's a shortage. Most attorneys are expendable in the largest law firms. And so because of that, in most cases, unless you're like, well, there's very few attorneys in your practice area, or there's an undersupply of attorneys, most law firms can find people to replace you. It's not always the case, and it's not always the case in all economies. And it's certainly not the case in all markets. So if you're in a smaller market, that's not the case. But 
most attorneys are expendable. And, and if you're not willing to do this, law firms can find people to replace you. And, and, like, and that is something that also works. Law firms, often people, they, it's not, does affect many cases of treatment. When you're in a large law firm and you're working for someone and they've seen multiple people come and go, and maybe in your office, you might be in an office where there's been four or five separate attorneys over the past decade that the partners even that have been doing this for a long time know you're expendable, believe you'll leave at some point and don't like that either. Okay, let's see here. This is the zombie phase and I don't want to get too go too far into this, but in most cases, a zombie is just someone that kind of becomes a billing machine for the rest of their career. They're often partners. And then when they're unable to find sufficient work, they, if, they can, if they can, they they stay and they only leave when they can't find work. They're constantly billing and they look at everything as different types of time, whether it's working on business development or, or billing hours. They, they When you call them, they often pick up the phone because they believe it's billable time. It's funny, I, you pick up the phone and try to call a lot of the most successful attorneys in the country. They'll pick right up. Many times believe that it's related to business, clients, associates, everything becomes a priority. And they start thinking about billing. It's just how it works. And then even party and social invitations are analyzed based on whether they can be billed. And then other organizations are joined based on whether or not they believe they can get business. Articles are written based on things that sound ridiculous, but if they can find clients interested in that, that's good. Many times their fellow partners are very boring. It's funny. If you've ever been to lunch with some of the, some of the, and again, they're not all like this, but a lot of them are not, not pretty boring. And again, problem is as you become a zombie, which is a partner, many law firms will pay other partners as little as they can for their business, the hours they bill, and then and, and work as hard as they can. And it's just a whole cycle of exploitation. The only point I want to make to you is that as an associate, you may feel like you're exploited, but partners probably feel even more exploited many times by their firms than associates. I've had instances where I've called up partners and and I've talked to them and they've been making five times less than they should. And it's just very interesting, you know, how law firms hold on to partners. They typically will use compensation and other things, but uh, many times the most powerful partners will fight over money and other sorts of things. And this is just some stuff about partners getting paid and uh, how they move to new firms many times saying that they have a lot of business when they don't. So a zombie relies on the brand of the firm for prestige. A lot of times large law firms and the zombies inside of large law firms will get their standing based on the quality and brand of their firms. They think very highly of their brands and they often will measure their self-worth based on those brands and stick around for fear of going to a lesser brand or only go to a higher brand. They will often feel a real privilege to be working in such a good firm and they'll work as hard as possible to justify working there. So in large law firms, there's all sorts of people that are in pseudo partner roles that are in all these different sort of roles where they're really sticking around just because it's important to them to be in a really good firm because they've always defined themselves based on that and will often never consider going to a lesser firm. And then, um, these same people will talk about how people at lesser firms are incompetent or, and other sorts of things. And a lot of self-worth comes from that and then how they compare themselves to attorneys and other firms. And, and so they, it's just, again, I don't want to get too far into this, but it's something that kind of can exist 
in the long run for a lot of other attorneys as well throughout their career. The idea here is that I also talked about this kind of interesting, I can call attorneys in their late 50s or early 60s, or even send an email about a job opportunity or something. And if it's with a more prestigious firm, a lot of times these attorneys will be interested more often than not. Uh, whereas if it's a less prestigious firm, they would never think about it. So it's all about status a lot of times. Again, not all the time. These are generalizations that in many cases are quite unfair, but it's just how that works. This is just a couple of points about the zombie and the brand of the firm to attract clients. The zombies believe the client should come to them because of the brand of the firm. Many times, often not anything to do with them, which is kind of interesting. Obligations, other zombies, okay. and then often transaction costs. This is all based on an article. This is just a lot of information to cover. And I don't know that it makes sense to cover all of this. A lot of this is very similar to to, to what attorneys do, but the associates do. But idea is that as a partner in a law firm, you all the characteristics that you are brainwashed with as an associate become even more pronounced many times when you become a partner. And the prestige of the firm, the salary, the name, the uh, all this stuff, people do not want to lose that. And they become even more beholden to it. So it's almost like the whole idea of handcuffs and so forth. And then these are some of the conclusion. There's different stages of it. And often this is what large law firms do. And again, there's no criticism of large law firms here. It's just how this particular business works. So I'll take a quick break of just a minute or two. I apologize. It's a long webinar, but it is, it is a important topic. And I think a lot of the stuff we covered earlier was good. This is a live webinar. And, and so I'll take questions about when you have, and we'll be back in one or two minutes. Okay. So let me ask, answer this first question. By the way, if you ask questions, I won't show your name. If you, if your name shows up in the questions, I won't show them because I know people want to make these questions. A lot of times they want to make them private. So I won't do that. So let me go to the first question because it's a fairly long one. Okay. So this question says, hello and happy holidays. Thank you for producing these webinars. I was the direct hire as a temporary attorney in a major law firm. I was harassed by another attorney and I stayed silent. I've had a bad experience in the past at a federal agency or incident when I complained or filed a grievance. Incident I, I found unbelievable that the law firm was that a partner refused to speak to me. I always dress professionally in dark business suits. I work regular hours. I'm a practicing Muslim and wears a hijab. The partner who created my department is an American Jew. Whenever I'd say hello or good morning while passing the hallways, he ignored me. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. I never reported these sites to anyone in human resources as subsequently laid off by a project manager who was a female and a minority. I left quietly because I didn't want to be blacklisted or blackballed in my career. Talk about prejudice. I face it daily and it's my reality. Yes, I'm sorry that happened to you. I don't think that is a good thing. I, as someone that's not a person in your situation, it's very difficult for me to comment about what you face because I certainly couldn't possibly... I've never had anything like that happen to me due to religion or my sex and stuff. Unfortunately, I don't, I'm not maybe the best person to comment on it. But what I will tell you is I'll tell you some things that I think, and again, I've 
I have written a book about diversity inside of law firms and um, some of the challenges that people uh, from diverse backgrounds have faced, and it's on the website of BCG, so it might be helpful for you to, you might enjoy reviewing it because I spent several months writing about this. And again, I can't identify as a white male anywhere near with the things that you've gone through. And I'm sorry, but I just, I would be nice if I had experienced some things, but I have experienced some of the things that you're mentioning. A lot of times when I would say hi to partners or good morning or smile at people when I was young and they wouldn't acknowledge me, I would often take it personally. And many times they're just not paying attention or, or they're, it's just how it works. There's a lot of, it depends on where you're at, but if you're in a big city, a lot of times people are very impersonal. I wouldn't take it personally. You may, but the other thing I would say is because you're a temporary attorney, not a full-time associate and so forth, sometimes there is some discrimination against people that aren't in permanent roles as opposed to contract roles, regardless of your background. And so I would also say that, and I don't know that a law firm would blackball you and your career for that. But if you, again, you didn't report any of this, I can't tell you whether or not that was the right or wrong thing to do because I, I wasn't there and I'm not in your position. But one thing I would say that it's just, it may be helpful is that there is a lot of law firms to hire people from different backgrounds, whether it's someone that, you know, whatever the race or and or your religious affiliations. I and mean, there is a lot of pressure because the law firms, they want to reflect what's going on in society. Hollywood, for example, has done very well with that. If you watch television shows, you'll notice that they've started putting anytime in, in most shows, there's a lot of diversity now, and then they'll start automatically putting a lot of times people in, in, that are diverse into authority roles. So they're, if you choose a judge or who a bosses or in most shows, they'll always try to have a lot of diversity there and actually lean on the side of diversity because they want to promote that message that people in power are of diverse backgrounds. And so I do think society is changing and working very hard at that. And I think that I don't want to underscore what you're saying, but I think that there, there is, I think that the tide is definitely turning in, in favor or not in favor, but towards towards making that sort of thing more favorable. So I think, but what I would say is I certainly, when I was practicing law, experienced a lot of slights like you're talking about. And I think everyone does. I think that I've seen things that were completely inappropriate and I think everyone has. And so you just have to understand that not every environment's perfect. And in most cases, I think if you are having a hard time really bad things are done, then you need to consider ways to hopefully address them at the employer you're with. Again, I'm, I apologize it happened to you. I, and again, this is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, and, and I can certainly understand why. And, and there there is prejudice in all levels of society. But there's also, I think there's a pretty concerted effort to try to fix a lot of that. But I'm not an expert in this, and I'm certainly not uh, someone that can effectively, you know, shouldn't be commenting on the challenges that a Muslim woman faces <laughs> because I'm not of that background and and it would be almost paternalistic and narcissistic of me to do. I hope that advice I gave helps. I would just say that that the most important thing is to do your best and hopefully this stuff won't keep happening. I do think that there's a lot of positive changes that have been made. Okay, let's see here in society. But again, I'm not someone that can comment effectively on this because I'm not of the same background.
Okay, let's see. Do you have any advice on how to learn the politics of a new firm? I set myself up for success. I'm starting as associate business at a new firm as a third year associate. It's my first time laterally. Yes, I do. So one of the things that some of the best things to criticize. So a couple of things that are very important, I think, when you're starting any new firm is to, to be very careful about having criticisms or complaints. One of the things that happens is anytime you start a position at a new firm, you're going into a new environment where things are going to be done differently and where you may not be used to the way that things have been done in the way things are done at that firm. So every firm is different. Some firms may have different types of expectations than wherever you're coming from. So if you came from a smaller firm and you're going into a bigger firm, there may be some different types of expectations. If you're going to a smaller firm, there may be different expectations as well. So I would be very careful about complaining about any differences or criticizing or doing anything when you start out and just being very affable and listening a lot. So you want to listen to things that people are saying and you want to pick up on the politics and and not get too involved. When I say criticize, there's going to be people, anytime you start a new position, a lot of times the first people that will appear as your friends and at your door and at your lunches and stuff, I don't know how that works there'll be two sets of people. So one will be people that the firm may have asked to mentor you or talk to you or show you the ropes, which will be typically there are people that the firm likes. And then there'll be other people that show up that have bad opinions about the firm and are going to be leaving and, and are going to try to turn you and they're looking for friends and, and things. And so those are the kind of people that you probably want to avoid. And you want to be nice to them because you don't want to upset them because then they'll talk badly about you, but you want to avoid and when I say avoid, you have to be very careful about allowing people to turn you against your new job. So you've obviously gone to a new firm for a reason and you want and you do want to avoid people that are going to try to make you feel badly about where you're working. They will complain about the hours, they'll complain about the partners, they'll make fun of partners. Put, and none of that helps you. Looking at people in a negative light, thinking negatively about your firm, thinking those sorts of things is not doesn't do you any good. You want to think positively about your firm. And so the only way to do that is really to surround yourself with, with people that are going to, that are doing well there and to avoid people that aren't doing well and are having issues because those people will be gone. And if you stick around with them, they'll take you with them. So that's the first piece of advice. People can influence a lot of things. The next thing is you want to work very hard. You want to impress people with your work. And, and that means going the extra mile making sure that your work is turned in. Many times, especially younger trainers are very eager to turn in work very quickly, but resist that temptation and don't turn in things too quickly. Don't take on more work than you can handle, meaning don't try to do more than uh, at some point if you're getting way too much work and it's impossible to keep up with it, then you need to start telling people you can't work on things even if they feel like it's upsetting to you. And then the other thing is you want to, as a third year, you want to be spend a lot of time observing things. And before you start talking, offering your opinions, you want to start to observe and spend a lot of time observing and understand what's going on and just be very nice to everyone and affable. That's the best piece of advice I would give you. The other thing is I would avoid news. So meaning news about the firm, I wouldn't get interested in that. I wouldn't get interested in negative news about people you're working with. I wouldn't get interested in competing salaries and moving. I wouldn't even think about moving for a couple of years. I've been there as a third-year associate. I would plan on being there for several years because 
you don't want to start moving, finding reasons to move. A lot of times people will move. I had this instance years ago where I was with a recruiter for our firm and she asked me to go with her to meet with this attorney for dinner. And so I did. And, and I sat down and this attorney was maybe had moved to a firm as a second year or something. And so now they were maybe a fourth year. Um, they were very upset and wanted to move. And the reason they were upset was because the firm was no longer paying for parking in the building and were making them park across the street and paying for parking there. And these petty reasons for being mad at your firm and leaving are not doing you much good. The idea is as a third year associate, you want to think about committing to wherever you're going. You want to think about what you can do to stay. You want to not find reasons to not like the firm. You want to find reasons to like the firm. If you find reasons to not like the firm, it will show. And it'll show in, in how you, I'm sure you've been in relationships with people or employers or people that you've employed where you can tell when there's something like some switch is, has been switched and the person goes from really liking or working hard or liking you and t to the opposite. And you don't want to allow anybody to flip your switch. You just, you need to stay committed to wherever you're going. Again, if you're moving for a reason and you want to, that those are some of the things. The other thing I'd recommend too is that as a third year, assuming you're committed to practicing law the rest of your career, these people that are at your firm will go to the in-house counsel, they'll go to other firms, they'll they'll do all sorts of things where they you could be they could be called upon to be recommenders or to you may want them for a job later. Who knows? You want to make sure that you do whatever you can to impress the people that you're working with and do a really good job. And that would be my biggest piece of advice because that can help you throughout your entire career. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Thanks for knowing the amount of time you need to actually polish and prepare a memoir brief. I think it's hard for folks to say how many hours it actually takes. Sure. I think, yes, the thing is everything that you write, typically you write a draft of it, but then you spend a lot of time perfecting it, perfecting the language, shortening it, removing things, writing better subject headings, all that sort of thing, whether it's a memoir or a brief. And then you do in a large law firm is never going to, if it's done well, is never going to come out uh, as a perfect or anywhere near perfect in the beginning, because many times there's better ways of looking into things. There's better ways of shortening what you're saying and making it more readable. Sometimes your conclusions may not be supported and everything. So yeah, most people that are good at this stuff will spend a lot more time on this stuff than them. What can you do to become an associate the partner's likes so you can give them, give them more work? So the biggest way to become an associate the partner's likes, you can give them more work, is typically going to be to work hard on their assignments, to give work back that they can actually use that makes them look good to their clients, to not question the need for the work, to allow most of the time. So you may be researching something and feel like you need to explain it in great detail. Partners a lot of times don't like that in person and when you're meeting with them or something, they can pretty much, you could give them a 20 page memo that you worked on for four weeks and they could look at it in five minutes and know the conclusions without spending a lot of time. 
So you don't need to explain things in a lot of detail, even though it seems like it's that important to you. They can pick up on it very quickly because they've been doing a lot longer than you. In order to become liked by the partners, you need to seem open to taking work. So a lot of times they'll know that if they call you and give you and ask you to do something, that you'll do it. So they like that. They like it when they see you prioritize their work. People like to feel important. If someone calls you on a Friday and says, would you do this? And you sound excited and you say, sure, I'll have it for you Sunday morning. Is that okay? And they say, sure, there's no rush. You can have it on Monday. People like feeling important like that. So that's one thing. But doing a good job on the work is important. Finding things that other people don't taking it seriously, being enthusiastic is important. So think about when you get, when people, when you give people work, whether it's, if you give somebody work and they seem, they don't seem excited about it, that's going to upset you. And if, so you want, people want to seem, they want you to seem excited and like you like it. And then, and that you're, you're putting an extra effort and all that sort of thing. So all that is extremely important. And if you're able to do a good job with that sort of thing, meaning the enthusiasm and the attention to detail, and then they'll like it. Just if I call up someone and, and I say, would you do it? Can you have this pizza? And they say, oh yeah, we'll do what we can. Try to have it there in an hour or two. Is that okay? Uh, you're not going to want to do business with a pizza place anymore. If the person says, no problem, we're going to make it. Would you like it like this? I saw you do it like this last time. We'll have it there in 25 minutes. We're excited. Thanks for thinking of us. And and all that sort of thing, you're going to want to do business with that person, that pizza parlor, opposed to the other one. So that's just how it's the same thing with just ordering, getting work as an associate. So that's one of the things. And then the other thing that you can do, people will give you more work when they see you're enthusiastic about it. Enthusiasm for the subject matter, enthusiasm for working with that person, make the person believing that you like them, that you like the work, that you're grateful for getting the work, that you're excited to be working there. And all that stuff is not easy to do sometimes for some people, but if people believe that, they're going to want to give you more work. There's a lot of good questions today. Thank you, everyone who's asking these questions. These are great questions. Okay, what's the best way for a junior associate to mid-sized law firm to work their way up to a more prestigious law firm? So the best way to work your way up to a more prestigious law firm is to be in a practice area, the first thing that's in demand. And if you're in a practice area where there's not a lot of people, in that practice area that becomes in demand, uh, then you'll then it's not that hard to work up to a more prestigious law firm. So when the economy is very good, if you're a junior associate at a mid-sized law firm and you're doing corporate or some sort of version of that, you shouldn't have too much trouble moving to a more prestigious law firm when that becomes very much in demand. If it's it used to be IP litigation and patent, this is that kind of practice area. But the practice area is really the most important thing. Now, many times it's location-based. So Practice area is one thing, meaning if you're in a practice area that becomes in demand. The other way to do it, so for example, if bankruptcy suddenly becomes a very popular practice area in a mid-sized law firm and there's not enough bankruptcy associates, you can do that. Now, you can't always track what's going to happen in the economy, but right now it does look like the company, the country is going into, I think it's probably already in a recession. And, and because of that, there's going to be certain practice areas that will do well. And there's certain practice areas that won't do well. And if you're at a mid-sized firm, really, that's the, it's practice area based. Now, another thing is if you're at a mid-sized firm in New York City or in Los Angeles, for example, and you want to move to a more prestigious firm, one of the ways you can often do that is by moving markets. So anytime you're in a market where there's a high concentration of attorneys, which is large markets in Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, Miami, all these, whatever big market you can think of. It's always going to be harder to move to a more prestigious law firm if there's a high concentration of people. But if you move, if you take your same skills and you move to a smaller market, 
then you can often move to a more prestigious law firm. So I have instances where you know, there's AMLAW 100 law firms all over the Midwest in smaller cities and stuff. And, and they often don't have large offices, but people can often get hired there that couldn't get hired in a major office of those same firms because of the fact that, that there's just not a high concentration of people. So it's all about who you're competing with and that. But typically, if you're at a mid-sized firm, one of the things I would recommend is to be in a more specialized you are in your practice area, the better. So if you type of work you do, the more specialized you are, the more likely you are to get into a larger law. Large law firms tend to be spe- have specialists and mid-sized to smaller firms will often have generalists. So if you go into Madison, Wisconsin, for example, and you look at a big firm there, or all the firms there, they're not going to have, their attorneys might do M&A, but they're also going to do general corporate and they're going to do, and again, this is not a criticism of Madison, it's just the size of the market. They're going to do all these different types of corporate. Whereas if you took that same firm and you put it in New York City, they would only do M&A. They would only do securities or something. In mid-sized mar- in smaller markets, people tend to be more generalist. In mid-sized firms, they tend to be more generalist, specialists. Large law firms and the most prestigious law firms have specialists. I'm a chairman attorney. Of 14 of my 17 years as an examining chairman attorney at the USBTO. Generally, this experience is beneficial, but only with approximately one to four years. Many new aspects of trademark law become important. I've not learned or used them. What is the best way to catch up? Otherwise, memory more marketable. Okay. I'm assuming you're still at the USPTO. I don't know. I can't tell, but that's okay. So the best way to catch up on, on this stuff is, I'm not, I don't want to talk down to you, but obviously CLE seminars and things would be helpful. As a trademark examining attorney, I don't know what office you're in, but you can go to a law firm with that skill. So it would probably not be in a major market. It would probably be in a smaller market. Again, you might be able to, but a law firm can help you. But to become more marketable in that practice area, the nice thing about trademark law is there's not a lot of jobs, typically. And there's always firms, if you look on BCG, that are seeking senior trademark attorneys and that sort of thing. And what I would recommend is in order to become more marketable, I think you would try to go to a firm in a smaller market that needs someone that's senior like you, that's having a hard time finding people with your experience. The reason I say smaller market is a large market is going to have all sorts of people in law firms and things that don't have business that are senior that are going to be interested in someone with coming directly from a law firm. The other thing you could do too is you could probably go in-house. There's lots of in-house companies that are constantly churning out trademarks. That could be helpful. An unusual suggestion, but one I'll bring up that may work for you is sometimes internationally, there's a need for people with your skills to do that type of work, meaning China, places like that. And you can often, sometimes you can get in a remote related work. The other thing you could do too, is you could try to find contract related work, remote contract related work where you would get those skills as well. That's another suggestion, but that's how I would go about getting that experience, if that makes sense. Okay. This person asked, is it better to be single if I'm working in a large law firm? It depends on your, who you're with. Let's ask this question because it's kind of an interesting question. Is it better to be single if you're working in a large law firm? It depends on the kind of partner that you're with. I don't know. I think everyone needs a support mechanism, whether it's having a significant other or lots of close friends. And so I don't know that it is better to be single. I think that many times the demands of working in a law firm can interfere with your family. And so you need to have, definitely have the right type of person that you're with. And there's lots of couples that 
that I've seen that have um, been very well, where they're both attorneys in large law firms, and that can be very helpful. What's the right balance for uh, working as hard as you can, but not letting yourself burn out? So this is a good question. Someone's talking about burning out. And I think uh, the issue with burning out is you only burn out if you're doing work you don't enjoy. So you need to be enjoying working in a law firm. And it's not going to be fun. Your first three to five years is always going to be an apprenticeship. No one talks about really loving being a resident in a hospital. No one talks about loving. I mean, it's not necessarily going to always be fun. But the big thing about working in a law firm is no one is ever going to tell you to slow down because it's not in their best interest to do. So you need to know when to slow down. And that means you have to have some rules. Your rules could be, I go to church every week, or I exercise every day, or I meditate once a day. You have to have some rules that, and some, some things that are that you use to protect your sanity and yourself. And, and so that's one of the things I'd recommend. And then the thing is large partners in large law firms aren't burned out. They get strength from it. And so what are they doing that's different? So you have to watch and get role models. And because a lot of partners in large law firms very much enjoy what they're doing and they're, they get power from it. And so those are things that you need to re- recommend and, and understand. And if you understand that, you're much more likely to do better. And so you need to look at what are people doing that are successful. And most people that are successful are probably getting strength from, from the environment that they're in. Okay, I think that's about it. I certainly appreciate everyone being in this webinar today. I will be back next week. This was not a well-announced webinar today. Oh, I don't think we, so I appreciate everyone being here anyway. And, and thank you for all the questions. These are great questions. And I'll talk to everyone again next week. Thanks. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you're an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.